Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I am David Chen, and with me are Devendra Hardwar and Jeff Kanata. Welcome to the show, everyone. Today on the podcast, we got some brief film news we want to run through before moving on into some what we've been watching and then concluding with an in-depth review. This week, we will be reviewing Bill and Ted Face the Music, the sequel to Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey that we didn't ask for and didn't know we wanted. A, m- a movie that should not exist. But I maybe we did. Yeah. Maybe we did. Uh, maybe we did. Anyway, Maybe we'll they need out. to save us all. Yeah. We'll find out during our uh, review of the film. But before we get going with anything that's related to the podcast, I do want to make a couple of announcements. First of all, those of you who've been listening to the podcast for, let's say, the last couple of years may uh, know or recall that uh, Beatty Zhang is our editor. Uh, she has basically edited like 99% of all the episodes over the course of last year. Uh, a couple years. She does a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I depend on her to live. Uh, and <laughs> and not we insane. love her. Yeah. We love her. We <laughs> yes. love her, love her, love her. We are huge fans of her. And uh, she texted me this morning and she said, hey, Dave, do you mind editing tonight's podcast? Because uh, I'm feeling really... Uh, she, she got food poisoning. Got food poisoning. I see. Not feeling well. And I, I said, of course, happy, happy to cover. But I realized I haven't edited an episode in a really long time. I've come to depend wow. on Beatty. So I, I want to say a couple things. First of all, Beatty, I don't know if you're going to listen to this episode. Probably not because you don't have to. But if you are listening to this, just know that we are wishing you well, hoping you recover shortly. Also, Beatty wanted me to pass on this piece of advice. Never refreeze ice cream and then eat it. Huh. Um, so that's a, just a little, little piece of advice. That's right actually got food poisoning? I do, that. I do that all the time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's... <laughs> Crazy. Write that down. Put that in your pocket. Uh, She's just saying finish the ice cream. Finish Finish all the ice cream. cream. Just eat all of it in your house. Just as a safety measure, eat every bit of ice cream you own. And I will be following that advice later tonight. Yes. I think that's correct. That's absolutely correct. Second thing I want to mention uh, is I am recording uh, this episode using a brand new setup I've never used before. Jeff has used it before. It's called Zencaster. A bunch of podcasters use it. Um, but I've never used it before. And so I'm just going to go on a limb and say it's very possible something's going to go wrong tonight. Uh, what are you talking about? I've already, told, I've already told the guys... Please make zero mistakes. Where I don't want to mean edit like that much. usual, like we always yeah, like, make like zero usual, mistakes. Like usual, like usual, make no show, mistakes. So when you say edited, well, some music is thrown in, and then uh, we post it. There's no, yeah. mis- there's nothing to edit or edit out. I, I mean, I can totally understand why people would think that. <laughs> but R- right, um, Charles? I mean, Dave. Oh. <laughs> Another gaff. <laughs> anyway, if you if things sound a little weird uh, or there are some mistakes, that is why. It's because Beatty is out. But Beatty, we wish you well. Hope you feel better soon. All right. A uh, couple of other things I wanted to mention before we get into what we've been watching this week. Uh, and that is, I, I think I'm, I wasn't the only one that was completely stunned to learn of the passing of Chadwick Boseman this past weekend. Oh, man. Um, yeah. Stunned past- and saddened. It's, it's, yeah. really, it's really a very sad thing. Mm-hmm. I was reading this uh, uh, newsletter. Uh, you guys read newsletters these days? I read a lot of newsletters. It's apparently the hot new thing. So, yeah. No, I don't. But I know it's a hot new thing. Uh, so Luke O'Neill writes a newsletter uh, called uh, Welcome to Hell World. 
And he, uh, he wrote in his newsletter, quote, it had never occurred to me to worry about losing Chadwick Boseman. Mm-hmm. I just assumed without ever really thinking about it that we would all be watching him in movies for the next 40 years, end quote. And that's, mm-hmm. that's kind yeah. of how I felt. We kind of just were like, oh, what an amazing... He was just getting talented, started. Yeah. What an amazing, talented guy who had already uh, appeared in many iconic roles. Obviously, the, probably the most well-known of which is, is as T'Challa and Black Panther. Uh, but we just assumed, hey, this is a guy who's just getting started. Uh, his career feels like it's on the up and up. He's, you know, uh, had one of the biggest uh, characters, one of the most iconic characters of all time in cinema history already. And boy, I can't wait to see what he does over the course of the next couple of decades. It's a very, uh, uh, it's a very rare group of people who play the titular character in a billion dollar film. That's a that's a small grouping of individuals. Yeah, yeah, and and did it so well, you know, did it in yes. such a way that it was very, very memorable. Uh, and there's a you know, without him, without that performance, uh, you know, that movie might still have done well, but it wouldn't be, uh, I think, as memorable as it is, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so he uh, was amazing, and uh, I mean, he 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 kept acting right until the end. Uh, Obviously, we just reviewed the Five Bloods here on the podcast recently. Uh, his role in that, I feel like, takes yeah. on a much different significance now. Wow, and it, yeah. and like the way Oof. he is shot in that movie is so like angelic and saintly in so many ways. Like he is, he is such a, a cosmic being in that. Um, by the way, practically like all of his major roles, like he he's very good at playing legends. Yeah, and he just yes. kind of did Jackie Robinson, James Brown. Yeah. You know, they're so. Man, Thurgood Marshall too. Like I, I remember seeing Marshall. But Get On Up is a great music biopic that I feel like never got enough love. Um, it's it's terribly sad. It, it feels like when uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman passed away, you know, a legend, somebody you knew was a legend. You were watching a legend in the making, yeah, and then gone too soon. Heath Heath Ledger too, another one that this Heath reminds Ledger, me yeah. of, of like s- someone so talented, like had just come off like one of the best performances of all time and then um now he's gone and it it, it just it's so shock especially this year of all years um to lose chadwick boseman feels like an especially painful loss yeah i was t- just totally stunned by the news and um it, i think i think for a lot of people this last weekend like our our brains couldn't really handle it because it's like it's not even something it's not even something that we had considered was even in the possibility like realm of possibilities that might happen um so anyway uh yeah and uh, yeah go ahead sorry i was just gonna say and and, um younger than me younger than me which is hard hard for me to hard for me to reckon with as well uh he uh i you know there's a lot of discussion online about the surprise of it and not not knowing he was even dealing with this and there's there's part of me that really admires that you know like he was this was he kept a private life private uh, he was the face of hope for a lot of people. He was the face of this, 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 this film that really meant a lot to a lot of young kids. And he always, in every public appearance that I ever saw, always handled that, shouldered that responsibility yeah. with grace yeah. and with... Uh, Mm-hmm. with honor and it just seemed like a just a fantastic human being as well as actor and performer agreed um, he it seemed like he knew the weight of what was being given to him mm-hmm. and I, I you know there's a there's a lot of honor in that yeah um 
there are a couple things I want to point out about like the online reaction to his passing that uh, are just it's just stuff that's floating around in my mind. Um, one is that uh, he had started to lose weight uh, in his final days, and like photos of him had appeared online, and people were not very kind about his new appearance or they speculated or whatever. And I think it's just a reminder that like, uh, even for celebrities, you have no idea what they're going through. Right. And like when you see a photo of a celebrity online or you see, um, a celebrity in a video online that like they, you know, they weren't in charge of releasing to the world, um, that you should just try to be kind, just assume that you don't know what they're going through or what's happening. Because like, Obviously, he was battling cancer for the last few years, and he didn't um, he didn't disclose it, and that's obviously well within his rights to do so. But you just you just don't know what people are going through, and so yeah. I, for me, his passing is a reminder that like we we have no idea what people are going through, and we should always be kind. We should assume they're going through things that we can't possibly comprehend. Yeah. Um, that's one thing. And then I just and the other thing is like I just said like battle with cancer, which is actually something I don't want to. And another thing, like, you know, a lot of people use the language of like war when it comes to cancer. And I'm trying to get away from that personally. So like shame on me for, you know, <laughs> like breaking my resolution. But just like I think it's a it's a bad um, analogy, you know, like sure. to yeah. talk about it as in terms of war and like they're battling and he lost the battle of cancer because like I feel like it assigns values to these things. Right. Um, when. Or values and morals to these things when it's like it's really we shouldn't you know like it's yeah. just these things happen and it's not um, that it's not that anyone doesn't fight hard enough yeah it's, it's not never that fight hard enough right yeah. exactly right exactly right and, and and kind of on the flip side of that there's this kind of mythologizing as well uh of like the fact that he, this guy like worked his ass off and that's amazing that he worked his ass off um and i'm i'm i am so grateful that he chose to spend his time that way but also it's like we shouldn't i don't think we should talk about it in a way that makes people who are suffering from cancer feel like they need to do that you know what i mean like um anyway these are just some things that like uh, the the internet news cycle moves at light speed now and so like there's already been like several cycles of like we're mourning his death online. The backlash, the morning of his death, like in the backlash, the backlash, like all this stuff has already happened in the last few days. Yeah. Um, and those are just some thoughts that I have. This had. is a good time to take a break from the internet, but honestly, every time is a good time to take away from yeah. the you know, yeah, just break totally away. Right. I want to shout out uh, Robert Daniels um, in memoriam. It's called The Defiant Career of Chadwick Boseman, a Hollywood King. It's at Vulture. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, check that out. Uh, we'll link to it in. The show notes, but uh, Chadwick Boseman, gone too soon. Rest in peace. He will be missed. All right. The podcast must go on. Uh, a couple of other things I wanted to mention before we move on to the rest of the show. One of them is uh, that uh, a, a new movie opened in theaters this weekend, guys. Um, you don't new New Mutants. That movie does not exist. Which, by Come all on. accounts, which by all accounts is a terrible, terrible movie. Like I've yeah, heard but no you know say- what? You guys all laughed when I put that as my number one movie in the summer movie wager, and now with seven million dollars, I'm owning you guys. That's correct. First, first of all, it's terrifying to me, honestly, that seven million dollars worth of people went to go see New Mutants this weekend. <laughs> but also, I've heard the movie is bad. And I, I just must implore you, like, yes, everyone's in a different situation. You know, maybe there's like no case, 
no cases wherever you live, or maybe you subject yourself to stuff way more riskier than going to a movie theater on a daily basis. Uh, and, and you know, you're, you're a first responder or whatever, and seeing new mutants is something that's going to help you relax. I understand everyone has a very different situation. So like, I'm not trying to be universal in this, but to the extent that can be universal, don't risk your life to go see new mutants. You don't want to die or get a debilitating disease because this of is how mutants. we're going to judge all movies henceforth. <laughs> I, is I've it worth it? It's not worth getting a debilitating disease uh, is what I understand. It's almost like perverse that it's possible to get a debilitating disease while watching new mutants. It's disgusting. I, I, honestly, I couldn't like think any less of how Fox has been treating, you know, the X-Men movies and you know, the X-Men franchise, but basically assuming some of the audience may get sick to go see this movie in theaters is a new look. It's amazing. <laughs> I mean, they usually make it sick and die. Is, by the way, yeah, they usually assume the audience is going to get sick, but in a completely different yeah. way. <laughs> uh, on, on that note, uh, Tenet is out uh, overseas. It's made fifty-three million dollars uh, in other parts of the world already, uh -huh. which is pretty staggering. Pretty staggering. It's out, it's it's out I think at some uh, U.S. theaters too. I, I see one theater near me that has it. That is correct. Uh, it, it, it's actually out early access right now. I, I could have I could have gone tonight to go see Tenet in a in an early access theater mm -hmm. in uh, in the U.S. Um, but uh, this has led to a lot of people emailing the slash filmcast saying they've seen Tenet. Yes, uh, a lot. And, of people. and wanting to share their thoughts. And let me just say this: um, don't please, <laughs> because I will not read the emails. They will go straight in the trash. So basically that's a great way of getting your emails sent straight to the trash is emailing. It, it basically, if you mention Tenet, yeah. uh, any movie, any email that mentions Tenet, Christopher Nolan, um, the movie after Dunkirk, like any of that stuff yeah. is just going also, straight, straight into the spam box. You'll go on the block list and you will never see your letters ever again. <laughs> yes. Never again. Any, any movie. Yeah. Any, any uh, block senders list, any, anything that mentions Tenet. So keep that in mind, folks. All that said, if you do want to contact us, it's slash filmcast at gmail.com. So, uh, all right. So that's what's going on in the world right now. Uh, but please stay like, I, I basically, I basically I'm saying like, I think I trust people to like make their own decisions and, and assess their own risk, but please be safe. Don't be stupid. Um, and don't risk your life, especially to see a bad movie, but try not to risk your life to see any movie at all. Uh, and those are my thoughts. All right, let's move on to what we've been watching this week. Jeff Kanata, tell us some stuff you've been watching. Well, I checked out a new documentary on the old HBO Max. Woo, HBO Max, the service that forces me to boot up a different device. <laughs> Boy, do I love HBO Max. Um, because it's not on your Apple TV or something? It is on my Apple it's TV. On Apple it's TV. not on my yeah. Roku. Oh. And I oh, despise yeah. my Apple TV. Oh, do I hate my Apple TV. Uh, I, the, I think the interface on the Apple TV is uh, atrocious. Jeff, will you send me your Apple TV? Because I, I want another HBO Max device. Yeah, <laughs> I, I absolutely will. I actually, I actually will, Devendra. I legitimately will. Um, we, we'll talk offline. Um, the uh, the movie I watched though on the HBO Max is called Class Action Park. Uh, this is a documentary about something I had never heard of because I born and raised in California. I grew oh, up in Jeff. the Bay area. Oh, Jeff, man. Never heard of this thing. Never heard yeah. of it. But evidently it's a big deal for people that grew up on the East coast. Yeah. It's it a is, legend. 
I've learned in this in this documentary. Uh, it is uh, about this place called Action Park, which was in New Jersey in the in the eighties and early nineties. And oh my goodness, was this this David Chen is the definition of a good sit for mm, me. Yeah, you know, yeah. this yeah. is an hour and a half, a brisk watch, and it's yes, it's a documentary. I'm not trying to take anything away from its documentary ness. In fact, it. It really takes a turn about two thirds of the way through and, and, and gets real serious. But for a large portion of this movie, it's just people sitting around telling stories uh, of this crazy place. It's all and, fun and games until somebody's beheaded. You know. <laughs> until, yeah, until somebody or dozens of somebody's get hurt. Um, so Action Park was this place in New Jersey that was a combination water park slash motor park like it had it had two sections uh, bisected yeah. <laughs> by an actual highway in new jersey a real highway cut this place in half and on one side of it it was this water park and on the other side of it it was a uh, a theme park built all around motorized things motorized cars d- buggies uh go-karts tanks uh motorized boats all kinds of crazy stuff okay so for one low, low entry fee, you get to do all of that. And what the documentary reveals is the fella who's, who created and uh, designed this place and, and ran this place and owned this place uh, was a real weird dude who liked to just make stuff without engineers and cared not about regulation or the government and uh, or, the, all... or the sanctity of human life, we should yeah. say. What we really yeah. need is an unregulated theme park. That's a great idea. Yeah. The, the way I describe this to, to my friends it, when I was re- recommending it to them is that everything that when, when people are scared to go on rides <laughs> at theme parks, the thing they think it is, uh-huh. which it never is is what this place is. Yeah, yeah. Jeff, Jeff, let me tell you, okay, on the on the East Coast, we really didn't have much. We didn't we didn't have Disneyland, you know, a short drive away. We had <laughs> Class Action Park and we had like a lot of other things. Um like uh there, there it wasn't Six Flags, but uh, Massachusetts has Riverside Park. Connecticut had this crappy little thing called Quasi, which is the worst. We we had crap so yeah this place was legendary i've never been but i knew a lot of people who had gone and have terrible stories it is the thing to be afraid of it it really is a place where people would go and get injured there were no (laughs) rules there were no there was very little supervision the place was run by a bunch of teenagers they hired underage people to work there and fraternize there uh and the whole document, ninety percent of the documentary is just like wacky stories of all the crazy (laughs) stuff that went down and it is highly watchable uh, my favorite bit is talking about this insane seven-story tall uh, water flume that turns into a a loop-de-loop. Yeah, and and they literally no no engineer was involved in the design of this thing. It is a crusty land creation of a thing. Yeah, <laughs> it was literally just cobbled together because the owner was like, "I bet we could do that." He drew it on a napkin, and then they built it, and then they used the teenage employees to test it. And they all like got beat up and bloodied and bruised and lost teeth because they would go at ridiculous speed down this thing in the dark, by the way, it was a completely enclosed tunnel. So you go and you, (laughs) you go at insane speed in complete pitch darkness. And then you enter this loop to loop 
And when you get to the top of the loop-de-loop, it's not like a roller coaster where the wheels are attached to the to the track. They just gravity just takes hold and they come slamming down on the top of the loop-de-loop, knocking their heads and faces and teeth and then they come splurting out the other side all bloodied and beat up and the designer's like, "Okay, well, let's keep it going." Insane. And and that's just one of dozens and dozens of stories and and attractions that this place comprised uh yeah i i found this highly entertaining uh it also was a, a love there's so much so much wonderful like archival footage of the place in action so you see all these people in the early 80s you know gallivanting around and and, and being just so dumb and then yeah actual people died like pe multiple people like six or seven people died died dead at this place and they somehow kept running uh, it's a it's a fascinating documentary that I I highly recommend. Uh, okay, so I have some thoughts. I don't disagree with anything Jeff Kanata just said. I think that's all true. Um, but I think he's underselling it. I think the, the <laughs> documentary is actually about a couple things that Jeff Kanata has not really indicated. One is that um, it's it's a fascinating look back at the kids of the eighties. Mm. And what I mean by that is. The kids of the eighties, like there were there were no cell phones back then, right? Yeah. So like parents you you'd like Can you fucking yeah, imagine? Yeah, so you'd, you'd like you hey, hey mom and dad, I'm going over to my friend's house. Yeah. And then the kids would just leave for like eight hours and you have no idea what happens. No clue. To them and none time, of the parents right? gave a damn. Yeah, no one cares. No one yeah. cares. Like and I'll say I had some of that in the nineties too, but the eighties seemed like a very special time. Like even I lived more that, unrestrained. Yeah. I remember, dude, getting a bike. Like, you know, you watch E.T. and you see yeah, how much those yeah. kids loved their bikes. I, I lived that. It, once mm -hmm. you had a bike, as long as I was home for dinner, my parents didn't care where I was. What could go wrong? Yeah. You know? I, I remember going on a, we call this place Hill 13. And it was this, uh, this uh, suburban uh, housing development that got abandoned. And so it was, it was like just the, 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 uh, foundation on these platforms on this kind of hill that uh you know it had um these different levels where each house was going to be going up the hill right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we would go there on our bikes and just ride around and i remember eating shit so hard there <laughs> that i was completely torn up like i oh, fell man. in this briar of of thorns and bushes and i was all sliced to hell and the only my only my only course of action at that point was to walk my bike home right? Right. And I remember just being covered in blood, walking my bike home, and these people in cars would like slow down and stare at me through the window and then speed up and leave. And I was just like, what's the bloody kid doing? Nobody was nobody was stopping and helping me. It was it was so funny. But that was that was life, man. You're like, ah, childhood, back when I was bloody walking yeah. home. I had, yeah. the, I had liber like, yeah. the liberty to injure myself. <laughs> it, it, it's the last generation, most likely, that will ever be raised in that way. And uh, and Action Park was kind of the the embodiment, the the live embodiment of that style. The of, commercialization of that style yeah, is what it was. Yeah, it's like you'd, you'd go with your friends to Action Park and you might die. And everyone was just okay <laughs> with that. Everyone had accepted that as part of the social club. Hey, we've, not only we've gone not, full circle. Not, now that's how we feel about movies, right? It's yeah, great. no kidding. It's not. It's, it's not just that people would accept it, Dave. I think that was that was the draw. Like yeah. that was yeah. the because when you're a kid, like you want to push that line, push that boundary, and 
go right up against like how close can I get to death? You know, how because you don't you think you're invincible, and so it's like I'm gonna do the stupidest thing I could possibly do, and live to tell about it. And yeah, I got all these scrapes and broken bones, and you know that that kind mm -hmm. of was the that was that was the feature, not the bug. You know, for sure, yeah, for sure, yeah, yeah. So uh, the other thing is, I think it's a pretty interesting portrait of this guy who ran Action Park, who the the documentary alternately portrays him as both uh, a kind of wild Doc Brown-esque genius and also a sociopath, right? And <laughs> yeah. uh, and you have to kind of choose which portrait like aligns with your uh, belief is in the world, or maybe you believe in both. But anyway... Uh, it's a, it's a really interesting watch and, uh, I would also recommend it as well. The movie is Class Action Park and it's available right now on HBO Max. The one, one thing I just want to quickly add is that I, I kind of described that guy whose name I can't recall right now, but the, the owner creator of, of Action Park, uh, I kind of described him as, uh, what if Donald Trump was Walt Disney? Mm. You know what not I mean? A, not a bad way of, of describing <laughs> yeah. it. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. 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 Um, well, you know, parks like Action Park brought people together. And you know what else brings people together, guys? What, Dave? Uh, uh, nice gifts that you give people. And you know what is a nice gift you might want to consider giving someone, Jeff Kanata? What, what Dave? Uh, a painting. A painting? Not, not, all, not only a paint, not just any painting, though. I don't just know how to paint, painting. though, Dave. I don't know how to paint. It's true. It's true. Um, I have most no people, painting skill. Most people only know how to, like, take photos using their phone, right? Yeah, and that, let me just tell you right, that 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 is a garbage present. Don't give someone a photo. That won't bring why, anyone wow. together. Why give them a photo if you can give them an exquisite, expertly done painting of that photo through Paint Your Life, which is our sponsor for this week? Now, Paint Your Life is a company that creates a painting from a photo that you provide for them. You get a professional hand painted portrait created from any photo. At a truly affordable price. Any photo, and, Dave? Like even a picture of the three of us? It's true. It's true. Even a picture of the three of us, which, by the way, is a photo we submitted to Paint Your Life. <laughs> and you can view right now at twitter.com slash slash filmcast. At twitter.com slash slash filmcast. Check out the slash filmcast Twitter account. It's one of the last few tweets we made. A painting of us to see the full power of this fully operational Paint Your Life sponsor. <laughs> uh and yeah, it's uh, you can choose from a team of world class artists and work with them until every detail is perfect. It's what's great about it. You know, I've gone through this process obviously to get a painting of us, and uh, they they really are good at checking in. They're like, hey, um, any modifications to the photo? Hey, here's like work in progress. Hey, like you you got, you want to improve the, the the final painting? Like they they really kind of uh, have a high touch way because they know. That if you're giving them something to paint, you know, if you're submitting something to paint, uh, you probably are going to give it to someone who's really important to you. Uh, and they understand that and they, they're going to give the care and attention to that that it deserves. Um, so it's a quick and easy process. You get a hand painted portrait in about three weeks and you can send any picture uh, yourself, your children, your family, uh, one of your favorite locations, a pet. Or you can combine photos into one painting, which is what we did, uh, <laughs> thanks to uh, Slash Film Cast listener and friend Danny Syed, who uh, who combined three of us into one painting, which we then uh, had painted. I'm sorry, one photo which we had painted. So, anyway, 
the the results speak for themselves. I could I could keep telling you how awesome paint your life is, but literally just go to twitter.com slash slash filmcast and you can see the painting yourself and you can decide it how is amazing it is. Really amazing. It it's really amazing. truly is incredible. It, it's amazing. And we are we are gonna figure out a way to like uh auction off or give this painting away for uh for charity. Uh haven't figured out exactly how to do that yet, but it, it is in the in the cards. Um that said, if you want uh, to get a special deal for Slash Homecast listeners, here's what you got to do, all right? Uh, there's a limited time offer. Get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get the special offer, text the word FILM to 64000. That's FILM to 64000. Text FILM to 64000. Uh, and one other thing I want to mention, at paintyourlife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, which is a pretty big deal, in my opinion. Guaranteed. So anyway, text FILM to 64000. That's FILM to 64000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Jeff Canato, what else have you been watching this week? Well, I'll tell you something that I didn't watch. How about that? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, so... <laughs> I like where this is going. In the yeah. early 2000s, in the uh-huh. early 2000s, when I first uh-huh. moved to Los Angeles, uh-huh. I was absolutely addicted to a show on the Discovery Channel called The Eco Challenge. Mm-hmm. 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 I loved this. Now, my memory is going to probably betray me, but it, I seem to recall that it predated The Amazing Race. Amazing Race is a show I never got into, but my God, I loved the Eco Challenge. The Eco Challenge, excuse me, the Eco Challenge is a real race that was held with extreme athletes. These are highly trained professional hikers, kayakers, uh, uh, explorers, mountaineers. This was this extremely dangerous journey across untamed parts of the world where they had to navigate they had to uh they had to use all manner of different skills getting up and down extremely rugged terrain in extreme conditions it was fascinating to watch it and it was a real thing i think that existed before the television show ever did and they were just recording this and in fact one of the things i loved most about it is meeting these personalities, these people that did this thing because they did it year after year. They were extremely good about it, good at it. And uh, I'll never forget one of the episodes. There was um, an interview with one of the the dudes that does this every single year. And I think all of the teams had to be co-ed. Anyway, and they were teams of four. And uh, one of the guys that they interviewed said, some of the the strategy that they used to reduce weight as they did this race because every bit of extra weight that you carry because you had to go into the wilderness you had to go into crazy conditions carrying all the mountaineering gear you needed all of the stuff you needed to survive for this like week-long race uh on you and he would talk about like they cut the little plastic ends off their shoelaces they would cut they would trim every little bit uh zippers off of things they would trim every little bit of of stuff and he goes yeah you don't think it matters but when you pile it all in your hand and he showed like all the stuff he'd cut off 
it actually weighs, you know, mm. a pound or two. And that matters. And I was like, man, the commitment, the thinking, the the variety of skills that they need to compete in this event, captivating, incredible. And again, you would see them, it was like year after year, they were the same groups would compete and they had these, the names of the groups I would, would recognize and the people, it was so cool. And the, the locations were wild and beautiful and, and it just these amazing parts of the world. Borneo, I remember, Eco Challenge Borneo was so cool. So when I saw that Amazon Prime was bringing back the Eco Challenge as a show, I was over the moon. I, I'm not even joking. I literally put a calendar reminder on my Google calendar to tell me when the, the show was going to premiere because I saw it was coming out in August. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. It was going to be called The World's Toughest Race. I'm like, yeah, it was The World's Toughest Race. I loved watching that. <laughs> you see where this is going. I don't actually, because I worked on this show, Jeff. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I sat curi- down, I'm curious. Keep going. Keep going. I sat yeah, down to going. watch this. So excited. Got my popcorn. <laughs> cut the ends off my shoelaces. I was ready to go. And I turned this thing on at the beginning. It's like, welcome to the world's toughest race. We have 60 teams of amateurs. who. Were, I'm like, what? What? <laughs> We're... D- they're all manner of people thrown into a situation that they're not prepared for. Woohoo! What? They turn this into a fucking reality show, dude. This is a reality show. Now, I'm saying this because I promptly turned it off and threw my remote control across the room. <laughs> so it may very David well. Chad. It yeah. may very well still be an entertaining show, but I. I was so disgusted. So and you didn't even get through one episode. Yourself. No, I didn't even get through 10 minutes of one episode. They had this like the beginning where they're like on this season of the world's toughest race, Cheryl and her friends, they're used to partying, but we threw them into the, it's like, no, this was a show about profession, like the most extreme teams of the highly trained athletes it was it was gonna it was like this incredible test of the world's most prepared people and they're like wacky bill and his two buddies uh, fall off the boat oh and i was like no what have you done this is garbage this is reality tv garbage so i'm going to i'm sure we're going to get a bunch of emails from people who are like no it's actually really good and i'm and i still i don't care because i the Eco Challenge was, I was so addicted to it. I loved it so much because it, it was serious. It wasn't, it was, it kind of predated the reality TV race phenomenon. And so it wasn't like that. It felt like a documentary about, you know, like the last dance or something. It was like a documentary about these professionals who all were super serious about doing something amazing and not like, who's going to get the thousand dollars? Who's going to get immunity this week? Oh, man makes me so angry that this happened to this concept. Well, I'm sorry you didn't like it, Jeff. I would just say uh, maybe give it a, one episode before you, uh, before you dismiss it. I, you know? I, I shan't. I shan't. Uh, have you watched it, Dave? Uh, yes. Uh, did, you, did you enjoy I, I, it? I, can't, I cannot comment on, on that other than ah, to say that. You can comment. Uh, you can comment. No, I'll just say that you should give it a chance, Jeff. So it's That's a well-made program. On a on a valuable streaming service. Thank yeah. you, thank you, Davindra. Yes, 
That's exactly how I feel about it. Anyway, <sighs> I'm that's so angry. I'm so angry at it. I don't know if I can get race, over that. World's toughest race, Eco Challenge Fiji. It is available on Prime Video right now, and uh, I think you'll probably have a better experience than Jeff. Yeah, probably. Um. All right, Jeff. Do uh, you want to talk about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure stuff no, right I'm now? No, I'm sure we'll to... talk about it during our review. I just yeah, wanted to mention yeah. that I, I rewatched the first movie in preparation. I did both. Okay. Mm. Um, so uh, I'll mention a couple things I've been watching recently. Um, first of all, I had, I had an Amazon watch party with my old boss at Prime Video. We watched Over the Top together. Have you guys seen yep. Over the Stallone, Top? right? Yeah, Stallone. Arm wrestling. Yeah. This is a super 80s movie that I'd never seen before. He installed in his big rig truck, <laughs> he installed a rope and pulley system so he could never stop training for arm wrestling, dude. Come on. Yeah. That's what you do when you want to get over the top. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's like his version of Karate Kid, kind of almost. Um, yeah, totally. Because he's got the special move, right? He's it's not a crane kick. It's like a rotation of your thumb that looks like a cheat, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, I don't think it's, you can do that. Yeah. Also, why not just start with that position? <laughs> yeah, build up to it. Why don't Why don't people in Fast and Furious just hit the nos immediately? Though, you know? <laughs> um. So anyway, over the top. It's a fun movie. It's very very cheesy. It's very very eighties. I had a great time watching it with some friends. Um. And I. I. It's you know. It's. Does it, it hold up? I mean, is it? Is it? I mean, I know it's kind of goofy, even it's was goofy back then, but no. <laughs> you said you enjoyed it very much. Is it because you watched it ironically or you genuinely enjoyed know. it? I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of like, um, I, at this point I've seen dozens of things that parody 80 movies, 80s yes. movies, you know what I mean? Yes. And it's just, it's just always nice to see kind of like, what was the, th what was one of the things that originated that form of parody, right? Mm, it's yeah. like, what was the thing that was behind the the funny version of the thing? Uh, and so that's what I got when I'm watching Over the Top. And also, by the way, like, uh, I'll just say there has never been, I have never seen another movie in my life that's about arm wrestling. This is yeah, the only definitely movie an underserved community. It's an underserved community of like, why? And it's like, why, why isn't there? I, I guess because people have decided it's not a very cinematic sport. It's also right? so dumb. Well, where's the murder ball <laughs> level documentary about Wait, arm Jeff, wrestling? Jeff, why do you think it's dumb? It's, it's, it's a, it's feats of strength. Yeah. Two, two two often men feats of strength going up against each other. What's wrong? What's wrong with that? Yeah. No, you're right. Have you guys seen the slap fighting thing? That that, that that's a thing that's kind of looks like uh, arm wrestling, where they sit at the table and they just slap each other across the face until somebody passes out. No, but out. I do feel like it was only a matter of time until our television entertainment reached that point where you're just <laughs> watching the slap show. Yeah. Yeah. Now this is a real sport that that people take part in. They slap each other until one person can't continue. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I did well, this in anyway. grade school, but now it's a sport. Okay. <laughs> Over the top is available right now on Prime Video, uh, and it was it was fun. It was fun. Uh, the Good Liar. This is a movie that Jeff Kanata talked about on the podcast like eight nine months ago. Right. It, yeah. It, yeah. It, it just hit HBO Max, and so I'm like, you know, I'll check out The Good Liar because um because the trailer, you know, it's it's directed by very well respected director mm -hmm. uh, Bill Condon, right? Um. It stars two amazing actors. I believe yeah. I told you not to watch this, though. I, yeah, I, yeah, no. I mean, I certainly, not... certainly, you weren't complimentary about it. No, but I, I think I think the setup of this movie sounds really interesting. Like, I'm looking forward to seeing it, even though you didn't like it, Jeff. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm telling yeah, you yeah, guys, yeah. it's yeah. bad. Avoid this movie. 
So uh, I, I am not going to spoil it. I'm just going to say that uh, there is shit that happens in the last... I mean, the movie's like two hours long. And in the last hour, there are so many reversals <laughs> that I'm just like, it's dizzying. And the, mo- the movie is complete nonsense. And it's, yeah, I was it's gonna actually... Say, don't, don't say the reversals are dizzying because then people are like, oh, yeah, that sounds awesome. It's not awesome. I would say the movie is actively bad, is yes. what, how I describe it. It, it <laughs> yes. is actively bad because it's one of those movies where, like, the stuff that's introduced at the end, they did not build up to at all in the first half, right? So it's like, right? Oh, they're they're going for shock value, and it's just like that's ter- this is terrible. And and the thing they use for shock value is stuff that's been used many times before in movies, and it is very upsetting, and I don't <laughs> like it. And they sh- they did it in a very bad way, uh. and I'm actually surprised that the people who are involved in this movie agreed to make it. Yeah, uh, no, I agree. Now so- I'm even more intrieved. Please, <laughs> I feel let like. Me up. <laughs> no, Dimitri, you're getting the wrong message from all of this. Uh, I feel, I feel like uh, Ian McKellen and uh, um, Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren. They're just like they take calls from Bill Condon and they'll just do whatever he asks. Right? They don't. They don't. They weren't discerning in their. Th- this is a, a bad script. This was a bad yes. script. It, it is just total nonsense. It just they, makes even their amazing absolutely zero sense. Zero sense. It is, it is insultingly bad. And so, insultingly so what bad, I'm yes. hearing is Oakley Doakley. <laughs> no! I have to see this movie. You're getting the wrong impression. I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. The sheer volume of twists uh, did make this movie remarkable, in my opinion. It's oh, not Dave, just like, you're oh, doing it. No. Big, it's not just like there's one big twist at the end. There's just like twist after twist. And I'm just like, whoa, like body blow, body blow, body blow, haymaker, you know, like. That's how I felt. I felt, you know, no. rather beaten up by this movie. I just added it to my cue. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. Anyway, that's The Good Liar. It's available right now on HBO Max. Hey, I don't want to say that I'm uh, checking my Twitter during the show, but I'm already getting tweets about the world's most dangerous race. Oh, good. Uh, world's <laughs> toughest race. Yeah, that too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Good. People good. are saying it's should... it's good. Watch yes. it, and I it yes. makes me it makes me more angry. Friend friend of the podcast, Miles McNutt, who by the way uh, watches oh. and talks about TV for a living. Miles uh, uh, can't be a harsh critic, so that is that is yeah, something. He, he said on. it was good. He said it was good. Anyway, yeah. uh, Alan Kwan says I'm a fan of the original show. I think you'd like the new Eco Challenge. It's not what you think it is. I think it's more the heartbreak. You can't get over the heartbreak, Jeff. Like, I can't. I, I feel it. Yeah, yeah, you can't. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, watch like a couple episodes, Jeff, okay? Please. All right, anyway. Finally, uh, a few weeks ago on the podcast, I talked about a, a couple movies, Samsara and uh, Baraka. Mm-hmm. And this, these are movies directed by Ron Frick. They're like abstract movies. They don't, there's no dialogue. It's just a series of compositions and images and, and you know, uh, video, time lapse, stuff like that. And in the Slack filmcast, a user who goes by the name of Space Jimmy Smits and has as his profile photo an image of Jimmy Smits in the Star Wars prequels, mm. uh, he... You guys, uh, I don't is, think that's really Jimmy Smits. So. <laughs> I think it's a space version you know. of him. And uh, he... the the Me talking about Samsara and Baraka, which are great films, really resonated with him. And he said, you know, Dave Chen, you should go see... 
Kronos, which is Ron Frick's other movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of he, he made a trilogy of movies. Kronos is this movie he made in 1985. Kronos is completely unavailable for streaming anywhere. Like you can't even buy it. Um, you can't buy a Blu-ray in a normal store. Like you can't go to Amazon or Best Buy or whatever and buy a Blu-ray of Kronos. Um, and so I'm just like, oh, that's too bad. I mean, I love Barakans, I'm sorry, but I'm just never going to see Kronos. Sure. Uh, the only way you can get Kronos is by spending like $40 on a Blu-ray on uh, on eBay. Buy it used. Um, and Space Jimmy Smiths was like, Dave Chen, I want you to see Kronos. And he, he Venmoed me enough money to buy a Blu-ray off of Hey, eBay. wait a minute here. What's What's going on in this Slack film cast? Yeah, so it's like illicit movie donating yeah. just to Dave? What? Thanks Dave can't you. talk about movies on Amazon Prime streaming, but he can talk about <laughs> movies that Space Jimmy Smiths is funding. That's correct. That's correct. So thank you to Space Jimmy Smiths for hooking me up with Kronos. And it is, in fact, very good. It's not as good as Baraka or Samsara, which are like, uh, the. I mean, Baraka, as I mentioned, is like one of the best looking Blu-rays ever made in the history of mankind. Yeah. Samsara yeah. looks beautiful. Um, this one does not look quite as good, but it was also shot in 1985. So I'm surprised there's a Blu-ray of this. Yeah. I mean, the one I got, the uh, the cover of the Blu-ray had water damage. So who knows... How like what that Blu-ray has been through, um, but yeah, Chronos. Uh, if you can get your hands on it, it's a solid entry into the Ron Frick trilogy of uh, impressionistic movies featuring footage. You, so. you know, I have to say, I love it when I hear about a movie that is hard to get because then I'm like, yeah, now I want it. Yeah, now I want same, this, uh, same. this movie. So yeah it, yeah, it kind of is like it kind of lets you have like a little quest, right? Like a little, um, but you know, I, I mean. This is a thing where it's like everything is available online right now. Even even buying it off eBay is not that hard. You know, it used to be before eBay and Amazon, like you'd have to go to like flea markets and, you know, mm-hmm. garage sales and stuff like that. And um, that really gave it a charm. Hunting for these things really yeah, was a charm compared yeah. to, uh, you know, uh, what it is today. The mystery is all gone. I'm reminded of when I had to like run to Yes Asia or other sites to get, you know, imported Asian movies. And in fact, I may still have to do that for a movie I just learned about that I really want to see. And then you're dealing with region locks and you're dealing with all this other stuff. But uh, that that adventure makes it all the more tasty once you finally get to see it. Agreed. Agreed. I just want to ask, though, you know, I feel like this is a very slippery slope if we allow this to stand, because... What's next? Space Corbin Burnson? Uh, space Jill Eikenberry? Space Harry Hamlin? G- supplying wow. us with... These are some like deep cuts, Jeff. Yeah, where are okay, you going go here? Ahead. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the, the cast of Space LA Law is what that is. Nice. So wow. I, I thought uh, you were going to go with like all the bit uh, actors in the Star Wars prequels <laughs> that we've forgotten about. So like no, Space like Kieran Knightley, she's in there. <laughs> Space I like the, the idea that there's a space LA law spinoff, you know, yeah. where they're like, uh, we needed to establish space law, yeah. space law here in, uh, in a Hollywood in the sky, you know? Yeah. 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 The was just talking about, uh, you know, a mystery, like how, how can you get your hands on a, uh, Blu-ray for Kronos, you mm-hmm. know? And like, it's kind of, you're, you kind of got to hunt around, you know, you know what else is a mystery? Um, when is the last time Jeff Kanata shaved his pubic region? Oh, you stole wow. it from me. Wow. You stole it. 
I didn't think we were going to talk about this on air, but okay. You just jumped in and stole my transition. How dare you? How dare you? And the answer is Manscaped, our new uh, sponsor, Manscaped. Oh my goodness. I got to tell you about Manscaped. Do you guys shave your balls? Do you, do you shave your balls? When's the last time you uh, shaved your balls? I will not confirm or deny, but uh, I, I would say it sounds pretty uh, freeing. Yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. in quarantine. In quarantine, I know how it is. I know how it is in quarantine. We're not doing the grooming that we should. I certainly am not. I haven't had a haircut since, uh, I don't know, 2019, I think. Uh, but guess what? I am grooming a special place just for me. You know what I'm using? I'm using the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0, the premium electric trimmer that's designed to give you a confidence boost in your down low parts. That's right. The ceramic braid and skin safe technology are designed to reduce nicks and tugs on your low hanging friends, right? This, you don't uh, want those. this sounds better than my current strategy. So please go on. Oh, Devendra, you got to listen up, right? Because I'm sure, I'm sure. There are times when you have attempted some grooming and things did not go as well as you had hoped. Yeah. But the long, long you, you know, three. you know, sometimes you think there are parts of the body that uh, you probably shouldn't be grooming. So I, I want a safe method, please. Yes, a safe method. Water, or the lawnmower 3.0 waterproof comes with an LED light so you can see down there in your uh, your your nether regions when when things are are darkened. You can you can manscape in the shower. You can manscape in the shower with the lights off. Who knows? You can do a little light show for yourself. Whatever floats your boat. Plus, they just uh, released their Shears 2.0 nail kit. Perfect add-on to the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. It's a four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools, tipped tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. Do you want the heavy grit? No, too much grit. Do you want the light grit? That's not enough grit. You need the medium grit. Plus... You can find on their website the Crop Preserver, which is the anti-chafing ball deodorant. You do not want chafing on your balls. Let me tell you, it also moisturizes. Mm-hmm. You hearing that, Devendra? Moisturizes. I'm taking notes, Jeff. Yeah. You'll also find the Crop Reviver, a testy toner that's like having cologne that's designed for your balls. How do they design cologne for your balls? I don't know. That's why you have to buy the product. What makes it different than cologne for your neck? I don't know. I want it. The Crop Reviser, or excuse me, Reviver. Reviver. The Crop yeah. Reviver. You'll find yourself sniffing in the down low because it smells so great. It's like having cologne. So go to manscaped.com. Check out some of these life-changing products. And listeners to the Slash Filmcast will get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FILMCAST at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code FILMCAST, F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. It's time to grab 2020 by the horns by shaving the front trunk. Wow. I don't write them, I just say them. <laughs> Incredible. Thanks Thanks for sharing that with us, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to Vinger Harder. What have you watching this week? I have been catching up on The Legend of Korra, uh, mostly for fun, but also... Because, uh, as I mentioned last episode, I'm doing the Republic City Dispatch podcast uh, with, uh, with some of my old friends, Joanna Robinson, Dave Gonzalez, and Matt Patches. Um, and I have to say, rewatching the show, which uh, first premiered eight years ago, this show is excellent. This show is incredible. And in fact, it is, the more I think about it, it's a show I actually prefer to The Last Airbender, 
which wow. is also what? one of the best series ever made, right? The Last Airbender, Avatar The Last Airbender is an incredible show. It's a work of art. It's it's brilliant. It's a great kids show. It's a great show for everybody. Legend of Korra, I feel like, takes a lot of those concepts and levels it up in a way. It really builds on the mythology of this world. Um, Jeff, somebody you're somebody I know who enjoys the like deep mythological cuts of, uh, of fantasy narratives. Yeah. I think you will eat up this show because it goes oh. goes way way back it um it gives us a history of the avatar world it also it flashes forward in time a bit so we go from like the sort of like feudal um you know maybe feudal japan world of the past avatar series into something that's more like uh i don't know 1920s uh america or a big yeah. city like it moves into a city it moves into like modern society and it talks about like how how do you build a society? How do you, it's the entire show is really about how do you build a good society? Because Avatar: The Last Airbender was about this one special kid, uh, Aang, the you know, the last Airbender, the last of his kind, um, fighting the evil forces in the world and trying to unite the world. This show is about okay, you won, you know, you beat the bad guy. Now you have to build a functioning government. Now you have to like figure out how to you know maintain equality in a world where some people have freaking superpowers and most people don't and the people that don't may feel a little uh miffed about that uh it is such a great show i love legend of course so much um it's a great action show because the choreography is just like it is straight up some of the best action choreography you'll ever see uh not just the martial arts but also the superpowers i think are just really well done the way they think of the fights the way they stage them it really um i think taps into the limitless potential of animation uh my freaking my metal benders that i love so much who were kind of uh it was kind of a small thing in the original series metal bending is a big thing now and it's straight up like people feeling like wolverine or characters from uh what's that anime series attack on titan it's a bit like that there's so much good stuff the animation is fantastic the characters are great and uh, i love the villains in legend of korra i've reached to season three which uh stars a guy um, he is an anti-bending monk who is all of a sudden he's a criminal. He's a criminal being held on a on a in a jail on a mountaintop, and he gets airbending powers and he leaves to wreak havoc. And it is oh, he's also voiced by Henry freaking Rollins. This show <laughs> is insane. Also, Henry Rollins has a great voice. Like that guy has great motivational speaker voice. He's been doing that for a while. Um, the show is fantastic. I love it so much. Go watch Legend of Korra because it's on Netflix now. If you've just been rewatching Airbender, it's a perfect follow-up. Uh, listen to us at Republic City Dispatch. Also want to throw a shout out to one more thing, which uh, I don't really talk about YouTube channels that much, but I am finding myself just like leaving YouTube channels on in the background, um, especially now when like you can't just go to a cafe and have like background noise, you know, a normal other people milling about in places where somebody will select music for you. So I've been spending a lot of time listening to my analog journal, which is a cool channel. It's a, uh, I think it's like fairly popular. I think people who like music are into it. It's a channel where people just like stream records for like an hour. But what's really cool is that, you know, it's stuff that the, the person doing the actual playlist actually enjoys. Um, sometimes they're deep cuts. They bring in people from all over the world, DJs from all over the world to just like, play a set for an hour. And it is a wonderful thing to do if you're tired of like, you know, the algorithmic tunes you get from Spotify and everything, right? Music that kind of sounds like what you already, already like, because that's how our algorithms work. 
I kind of love just putting on my analog journal and just like listening to things I've never heard of and things you probably won't even be able to find on streaming. So be sure to check it out if you like uh, if you miss like being in a cool jazzy cafe. I'm, All right, I'm, that's oh, go ahead, Joe. Sorry, I was gonna say I'm I'm shocked that you would put Legend of Korra above Last Airbender. I think I, I do. I think I, I love wow. Last Airbender, but I I love Korra even more because. Well, it's a little more of a mature show, too. So that's the thing. So it is a little more grown up and the characters are more conflicted, whereas Airbender feels at times like a high level kids show. But there's nothing wrong with that. I love kids shows. This one just has Korra has a much um, more mature and like, um, you know, an older audience they're going for. And I think it's really the action. Also, it just kicks so much ass. Like the action fan to me is always astounded by what's going on in this show. So it's they're both great. I just I just felt like the. There's not a single episode of Last Airbender that I found to be a a, a missed note or a yeah, uh, yeah. or an off episode, but I felt like some of the spirit world stuff of Korra didn't mm-hmm. land with me. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I hear that. Well, that's the uh, Legend of Korra season one through three, as well as my analog journal on YouTube. That's what we've been watching this week. Before we get to our review, we got some weekly donors we want to thank. We got to thank Scott White, Andreas Engelhart, Blake Jordan, Rihan Kwaja, Sarah Garby, and David De La Rosa for contributing at the rate of a couple dollars per month. And thanks also to uh, donor Steve Austin, longtime listeners. Thanks so much, Steve, for the very generous donation. And uh, I have a few donor messages I'm going to read. Um, this one comes in from Nolan. Nolan from Massachusetts writes, I just wanted to use this donation platform to urge anyone who watched Boy State to please go check out Dave's interview with Jesse Moss, as it was a fantastic interview with great insight into the film. Thanks for everything, guys. Uh, that was from Nolan from Massachusetts. Uh, and check out that interview at Culturally Relevant. Um, yeah, I, I listened. It's great, Jay, Dave. You did a really good job. And he, he was so interesting to listen to, and you really got uh, the best out of him. So kudos. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, should I read this next part of this message here, by the way? Do you care about that? Uh, if, if you want to, I don't. So. <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> I have no recollection of what this was, but I don't do I don't do this lightly. So I have no idea what caused it. So so Nolan also writes, Jeff, please unblock me on Twitter. I promise to never respond to any future Tom Brady slander. Uh, this this is a thing. This is a thing sometimes where like, you know, some someone will say something. And I'll block them because they're right, you know right. they're being a, a jerk, and I'll block them, and then they'll they'll find a way to apologize via email. And generally, I I, I accept their apology. Yeah, be human, um, but I, I like this new strategy of you get a pay to get unblocked. That's how it works. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works <laughs> from now on. Everybody, it's a very a block fee basically. Yeah. Um. So Jeff, do consider I'm, I'm uh, doing it right now. This gentleman, yeah? I'm literally doing it. Oh, right you're doing now. it right now. Okay, yeah. nice. Not nice. that I ever checked Twitter during the show, as as a previously mentioned, but I'm, previously uh, mentioned. Okay. I'm doing it now. Uh, okay, Bernie. Uh, okay, so this message comes in. Your your passion for films is contagious and inspiring. I tried naming my cat Devendra Dave Jeff, but my partner didn't like it. Three beers on me, plus one for Peter Soretta from your devoted listener, Bernie Rao, director of Killer, so- Killer Sofa. P.S. You rock. Thanks for the donation, Bernie Rao. Appreciate that. Um. Andy from Berlin, Germany writes, Hey guys, this is long overdue since you're providing me with great entertainment, recommendations, and insightful reviews. Keep up the great work, and please send a shout-out to my friend Patrick from Berlin in an episode who brought me to your podcast. All best to you, your friends and families. Thanks to Andy from Berlin. Um, Nico from Germany writes, I saw Tenet yesterday, and I haven't had such a good time at the movie since Inception. While I agree you shouldn't risk your life to see it, 
With this donation, I want to support your idea to rent a complete movie theater with your bubble to see it. Thank you for the great podcast, despite your slow descent into madness. Man, it's a bummer that this person's email is going to be blocked. It's and... too bad. It's too bad. They're now yeah. blocked forever. Um, yeah. Okay. So uh, we unblocked somebody and then we blocked somebody. I, as true, long as yeah. we're maintaining a balance, it's the nice. The circle of life is complete. <laughs> Deborah from Amsterdam writes in, Hey guys, this email has been long overdue for that. I apologize. Been a listener for the past 10 years. In fact, it was the first podcast I started listening to as soon as I discovered what a podcast even was. Um, David, you finally made me decide to do it when you talked on Culturally Relevant about how the only thing you had to offer uh, that was completely unique was yourself and your experiences. I 100% agree with what you said. Not only because I'm still listening to you guys after 10 years and have since discovered other podcasts, but also because I care about you in a sense that I consider you long distance friends. You've been with me through college, several relationships and breakups, many moments of self-doubt, road trips, life-changing decisions, you name it. You all make me laugh through it all while giving such a big part of yourselves back. Yes, I love movies and I love your reviews even when I don't agree with them, but, but, at, but at the end of the day, you three are what keeps me coming back. Never change. A big thank you from Deborah from Amsterdam. What a kind message. That's Thank nice. You, That's nice. Yeah. You guys Thank ever you, think we've been doing this for too long? Like just <laughs> every <laughs> single people, week. People talk about like I've lived an entire every life week. while listening to your podcast. <laughs> this is every week. Away. Every week. <laughs> Such a big part of my life. I love you. Dimitri's like, we should quit. Yeah. <laughs> there I mean, there are teenagers that didn't exist when we started yes. the yes. podcast. Yeah. Yep. Um also Mark Hayes from Brooklyn, New York writes, the show has become a complete mess, and I love it. Great. Mark, I resent that notion I'm just gonna put that uh, out there yeah why do you love it Mark? <laughs> come on we don't need your love okay <laughs> we don't need your love we're a mess and we intend for you to not like it so there all right folks thanks for your contributions if you want to support the slash filmcast go to paypal.me slash filmcast paypal.me slash word filmcast or go to slash film.com click on the slash filmcast tab use the paypal links on the side of the page let's get to weekly plugs we're going to do weekly plugs. That's the funky, groovy version. I like it. It's very like Daft Punk, you know? Nah, it, it feels more, a little more relaxed than that. It's like, yeah, yeah, weekly plugs. Let's settle in. It's very Thanks chill. to Noah Ross for that music. Um, okay, so I want to uh, just real quick, again, plug the interview with Jesse Moss. I did director of Boy State. He was very generous with his time. We talked for like over an hour about the movie. It was fascinating to learn from him about his experience making the film and also just becoming a documentary filmmaker. So check it out on Culturally Relevant. Uh, wherever your podcast can be downloaded. Devendra Hardwar. And, and uh, you should say also, Dave, that he directly comments on our episode, oh, oh, which yeah, he, yeah, yeah, he had yeah, listened he, to. He listened to our review before I interviewed him and uh, directly comments and responds to some of the things in our review. So uh, definitely yeah, definitely cool. check it out. Very he cool said, Jeff Kanata is wrong. No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> I, I will leave it ambiguous as to which one of us he agreed with. But uh, you should definitely check well, I don't out. I think the... he agreed with anybody. I think he just—it was cool that he responded to it. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was—it was great. And I think he—the um, fact that he didn't cancel the interview after listening to it is a good sign. <laughs> so uh, that's my weekly plug. How about you, Devendra? Uh, what, what do we have to talk about? Uh, I got my hands on the Surface Duo, Microsoft's long-awaited dual-screen Android phone thingy. You can check that out over in Gadget. 
it was a fun thing to like sit and talk about with my colleague Chris Velasco, who reviews phones for us. Um, the big downside is uh, I couldn't turn it on because uh, that's how the uh, the review embargo works. And uh, you know, Microsoft had a sniper rifle pointed at my head at all times. Um, so it so was, you're supposed it, to review it without turning it on? No, no, no. Well, so, no. so basically, Just okay, this. okay. There's yeah. there's a glass half full and a glass half empty yes. way of viewing this. Okay. Yes. Glass half empty way is hey. They, they are able to review the hardware uh, publicly or talk about the hardware publicly without talking about the experience of using the software yes. and using the device. Because it's That's just when we first get it, yeah. That, so there's basically like two embargoes now, right? It's like the hardware and then the software. That's a glass half empty review uh, way of looking at it. Glass half full way is before, in the before times, you couldn't even say you that you were, had you the hardware. nothing for three weeks, basically, mm, right? So I, see. I yeah. Basically, I, I did this on YouTube. Uh, we're experimenting doing more like live hands-ons and stuff uh, from my little basement office here. And uh, I feel like half of the comments were just, can't turn it on! Just turn it on! <laughs> like, Guys, I can't help you, but I can tell you that this Gorilla Glass 5 cover feels really silky smooth on my hands. And uh, somehow we went for 40 minutes Turn without on. turning this on. Why so, aren't you turning it on? Just uh, in all seriousness, the Surface Duo is so one funny. of the most interesting tech products they released this year. So that, That's a device I could easily talk for an hour, honestly, without turning it on because it is, it's wild. I'm really digging it. I had it for about, um, had it for like four or five days because I, I want to write something about it. But our, I shipped it off to our reviewer who's going to be doing the full thing uh, she was on vacation, so I, I had it for a little bit. Uh, so check out Engadget for the Surface Duo hands-on. Look for our full review in the next few weeks. And I really love this thing. It's so wild. This is like, you know, the big phone change I've been waiting for for a very long time. So check that out. Jefferson Canada, what's your weekly plug? We got a big week of video game news because Gamescom happened, even though people can't travel to Germany and there was no right. actual physical Was, that, was that news, Jeff? Because I, I also sat through the Gamescom stuff and, man, that was a hard two hours. Well, it's two hours and there was a lot of things. And we yeah. uh, we break it down for you in the new episode of the DLC podcast, Yay. my video game show. So uh, don't tell people that there wasn't anything cool because there's lots of stuff we talked about. We actually had a really great guest, uh, Lana Bashinsky, who's from Riot Games. She's mm -hmm. always a fantastic guest uh, on the show. And we had tons of fun uh, talking about all of the announcements, poking fun at some of them, and um, really looking forward to all of the things that are happening at the end of this year and beyond in video games. So if you're interested in video games and you haven't yet tried my show DLC, give it a, give it a shot. Uh, DLC, you can find thank you uh, both of my current co-hosts on, on this program have been guests on that show multiple times um you can find it at five by five dot tv slash dlc before we move on to the review i i gotta acknowledge this email that was written into slash filmcast at gmail.com that was i literally received in the inbox zero minutes ago <laughs> according to gmail the subject line of the email is so, so wrong about World's Toughest Race. This comes in from John from Salt Lake City. <laughs> I love how that we're getting response in real time. John writes in, uh, let me start by saying I've never listened to live as the times never worked out for me. I don't think I've ever written in either. However, tonight I finally had a chance to check out the live broadcast. And right when I joined, Jeff Kanata started talking about World's Toughest Race only quickly to realize he was going to crush my heart. 
Aww. I almost always agree with Jeff, but this time my jaw dropped to the floor. It was like I was living in an alternate reality. I, was, I have no clue what show Jeff was watching. It was not the same one that I watched. The show was filmed with professionals, many of whom have ran the race for decades. The team that tips their boat in the first few minutes is actually leading the adventure racing team in the world. I'm sorry, the leading adventure racing team in the world. Yes, there were many racers that this was their first eco challenge, but they were all still professionals, such as the best Ironman racers trying to prove they can do the eco challenge. That is how all the eco challenges were. It's fun to watch the professionals crush the course, but also some stories are so heartwarming, such as the son taking his dad with onset Alzheimer's on his last eco challenge. The themes and messages of hope, love, and supporting each other are 100% on Jeff Kanata's brand or on brand for Jeff Kanata. There are very minor elements of reality TV due to Brer Grylls narrating and sticking his nose in the action, but that is so, so minor. I highly recommend taking another look as you are missing out on one of the best experiences of the year. Wow. That's John from Salt Lake City writing into slash from gmail.com with some real-time follow-up. Well, real-time SmackDown. Wow. Based yeah. on the almost two full minutes that I watched of the series, I don't know if that... <laughs> You, you basically turned it off right before they introduced professional teams, Jeff. I feel like that's <laughs> pretty much happened. the truth. I was, I mean, I don't know if I made this clear earlier, but I was so angry, <laughs> so angry. Well, Jeff, it's I like, it's if, like, if, it's that like, email, if that email will not convince you to give it another chance, I don't know what can. So it's like somebody being like, I'm going to tune into the new Batman movie, and they're like, Batman's a kangaroo now. And it's like, no, Robert Pattinson, what? <laughs> Robert Pattinson. That's funny. Um, <laughs> the thing that I like Wasn't so much he in Twilight, uh, <laughs> and, and, and I, your reaction to World Stuff is Race is equally uh, in depth, Jeff. I guess okay, I walked anyway. into that one. I walked into that one. Uh, the thing I, I was going to say, the thing I like most about how this is playing out here is that it's probably saving us from a shit ton of actual emails. Yes. Now people are hearing it. I mean, me hear it in real time and you can save your typing fingers because it's already happened. It's already, it's already happened. happened. Yeah, I, that, that was me looking out for you, Jeff. Me I appreciate it. Well, also you for all the forwarding you were going to have to do. <laughs> <laughs> all that forwarding. You know, I hate forwarding you messages critical of you, Jeff. I, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. All right. Let's move on to our review of Bill and Ted Face the Music. Bill, Ted, enough of the delusions. You didn't time travel. And you didn't go to heaven and hell. Here's a real idea for you. Be role models to your daughters. Get real jobs. Bill, we've spent our whole life trying to unite the world. And I'm tired, dude. Ted, we have a destiny to fulfill. Greetings, my excellent friend. We have a problem. Step forward. A song created by Preston Logan. Performed tonight will save reality as we know it. Oh. Dude, we better write that song now. Or why can't we just go to the future when we have written it? And take it from ourselves. Except, won't that be stealing? Cheers! (laughs) How is that stealing? If we're stealing it from ourselves, dude. That was from the trailer for Bill and Ted Face the Music, the new movie by Dean Pariso. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. Once told they'd save the universe during a time-traveling adventure, two would-be rockers from San Dimas, California, find themselves as middle-aged dads still trying to crank out a hit song and fulfill their destiny. 
So, folks, as we alluded to earlier, this is the sequel that nobody asked for, and we didn't necessarily feel like it Big needed to answer story. a lot of questions from the previous films. That said, this is the closest thing, other than Trolls World Tour, this is probably uh-huh. the closest thing we got to like a mid-budget film with visual effects that sure. you could actually watch sure. at home that wasn't in the last movie. Yeah. three months. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm like the other one I could think of is like King of Staten Island, right? But like, you know, this this one actually has like some 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 visual, some CG. Um, so yeah, we're going through CG withdrawals, man. Yeah, <laughs> see that CG any little bit. Just, look at that blue light. Yeah, I, I need blue beam in sky, guys. <laughs> I need my blue beam in sky. <laughs> yeah, listen, yeah. listen. <laughs> when it's when it's a blue beam from Dean Parasat, then I'm like, okay, hmm. Now we're somewhere. When you when you pump me full of blue beam in sky over a ten year period, and then all of a sudden there's no blue beam in sky in the in the in the summertime months, what do I do? I I I got the withdrawals. I need that blue beam in sky. Agreed. 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 Okay. So given all that, Davindra, you know, I mean, I guess let's talk. Let's start by talking about like what our relationship was to the other Bill and Ted movies. Like you, uh, you guys rewatched, right? Like, what did you yeah. think? How do you think these movies hold up? And did these make you want to see a third film? Uh, Devinger, let's start with you. Well, they're definitely, I think they're both Excellent Adventure and Bogus Journey are movies of their time. Um, I loved Excellent Adventure as a kid. I watched it so many times. So going back and rewatching it now, it's a movie that doesn't make any sense, like at all, but it's so much fun and kind hearted and lovely. And I love the characters. I love like the vibe of it. Um, that, you know, I still really dig it, except for the like random gay panic moment which happens there and in Bogus, uh, Bogus Journey, which is a shame. It's a shame. And I don't know if like the writers ever like commented on that. But also, hey, that's a reflection of uh, of where things were back then, too. Like these two bros, this is a series about two guys who are just in love with each other. They do everything together. They propose to their wives together, you know? Um, like the core crux of this movie, by the way, or the new movie, is that they can't even really separate from each other in a way. But yeah, that, that whole gay panic thing never really quite set, yeah, sat well with me. Very weird to see that today, but I still love the first movie. Uh, Bogus Journey, it's not terrible. I don't think it's terrible, but I do think it kind of overstays its welcome in a bit. It doesn't really push that whole you know franchise forward at all. I, it just, uh, yeah, it, it is fascinating to reflect on how uh, one of the things that Bill and Ted Face the Music does well is normalizing uh, manly love. Right. Like there's just this, these two guys, they love each other and that's cool. And it doesn't need to be sexual in any way. And uh, we should we should accept more of it. The world would be better off mm-hmm. if there was more man, like acceptance and normalization of manly love. Just in, let bros be bros. Yeah, Let bros be bros. Let them love each other. All, all cool with that. Um, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Uh, you know, just the premise is just so wild. You know, it's it's a movie that only could have been made in its time. Right. Which was. Yeah. um Powered by the, uh, the energy in, in the of the eighties and right? whatever else was going on there, yeah, yeah, it just, it just yeah. really feels like it was it was the product of like too many cocaine sessions in in uh, studio executive uh, smoke filled rooms. Well, uh, it feels like somebody watched Terminator and went, "Wouldn't it be hilarious if it was Terminator?" Except they go back and the person who saves the world isn't awesome. Right, right. They're two doofuses from San Dimas. 
Yeah. You know, and, and by the way, like, made, and then they made that. <laughs> they actually made that yeah, movie. Yeah, and, <laughs> I, I don't want to. I don't want to like say that the Bill and Ted movies are from like yeah some weird executive pipe dream. Like it, it, they're from Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon, two guys who went on to like you know write some of the biggest, you know, some pretty major movies at least. Right, like Men in Black was at least Men in Black, Solomon. amazing yeah. movie. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, uh, you know, uh, I know Jeff loves that one. Um, but uh, yeah, no, you're you're tr- you're right. You're right. It's it's it's. Uh, I don't want to be unfair. These guys it's are like, very like, very. That's what I think is really unique about Excellent Adventure. Is it, it is such a wild thing. Like none of this should work. These two like surfer bros like on a journey where they're like basically slackers who are, you know, trying to save the world in some way by doing literally nothing. It should be annoying, but like the sheer personality of Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter like really sold it. I think the script was funny. Like so many little things um it, it just really works uh one one more thing in an excellent adventure that doesn't quite work is uh is the whole um was it bill's dad marrying a high school aged girl thing like I that mean, is it makes for a couple of creepy. funny jokes where it's like didn't i ask your mom to prom remember when it, i asked it, your mom? it makes for that and then it's like the scene where he's in bill's bedroom closing the door slowly on this you know much younger that girl i feel really like weird our, yeah. our ideas of the <laughs> Age separation, especially when it's like a vastly much older man and a really, really young woman are very different now. And uh, that doesn't that doesn't feel good. But at least they that joke, I think they they pull off actually pretty well in face music, too. But we'll talk more about that. Jeff, any reflections on uh, the first two films before we get to the third one? I uh, I was shocked how much of Bill and Ted's excellent adventure I have memorized. Yeah, man shocked shocked it was shocked. A, all the time all it was a time. surreal experience to me like that scene I, i'm sitting there with my my wife watching bill and ted's excellent adventure haven't seen it in 20 years maybe i don't know maybe not that long 15 years uh and i it comes on and i'm like i'm saying the lines along with the movie and i go my i knew that whole scene and then the next scene comes on and i know that whole scene and i'm like how do i I don't even remember that I remember this, but I know <laughs> I know these scenes by heart. It was very, very surreal to me. I was I, I knew this movie, like all of the exchanges, uh, the the like goofy back and forth exchanges of, um, you know, uh, uh, no, I'm not, not going to be able to recall it. But in the moments I was like <laughs> saying the it's lines. memorable. <laughs> you can't even recall yeah, it. Well, yeah, well. Yeah, you have to be in that moment. Yeah. You have to be in the moment. But man... Yeah, th- this was clearly a big part of my <laughs> cultural upbringing. You know, it was a, a it clearly was a a big movie for me. I mean, I knew it was, but yeah. I didn't remember just how much I had obviously seen it. Uh, <laughs> Let me just say, Jeff, this, by the way, is how I thought everybody in California talked and acted <laughs> all the time. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, good no, to know that you also found it to be your Bible. So great. It's super. It's super fun. It, it it's a it it is not a good movie, right? It is not a it like, make good yeah. movie. But I think for if you're a I don't know how old I was when it came out, but like 11, 12, it's it's perfection. You know, it's this mm-hmm. these goofy guys who, like you said, I think you used the perfect phrase, Devendra, kind hearted. It is a it is a completely uncynical movie. And we don't have very many of those these days. You know, it is it was uh uh, in a time when cynicism w- really wasn't in the mainstream like it is now, and th- they sold this idea of just sort of being 
these guys and, and excellent sort of, each other is yeah, a driving philosophy exactly. and that's it it's so simple so pure you know yeah. and apparently we couldn't really cut that as a society yeah. but hey yeah glad that so Devendra, uh what are your thoughts on bill and ted face the music well you know guys i never thought a bill and ted movie would make me cry but i feel like we are there and that's kind of what i was getting at before when i said like you ever think we're doing this for too long because that is essentially <laughs> the whole thing of Bill and Ted Face the Music of like these guys being middle-aged, um, not fulfilling the prophecy from uh, the great George Carlin, you know, like just not not being the ones to really unite the world. Uh, their marriages, you know, are not going super well. Like there, there are some issues and clearly they have some like weird um, codependency issues that I think uh, makes for a really fun scene in the psychiatrist's office in this movie. Um, I love this movie. It is it is hilarious. I, nothing about it should work. This movie should not exist. It should not be so much fun. Um, but it's also like thematically appropriate to where we are now because it really pushes the idea of be excellent to each other all the way home in, in a way that feels like it's something that could save us, you know, uh, as a as a universe and not just as a society. Um, it is just so much fun. And I love the way they bring in the daughters. I love the way they bring in the older characters. Uh, Anthony Kerrigan, our, our, our favorite, um, Serbian mobster. Hey, Jeff, from, this is a movie yeah. Anthony Kerrigan was actually yes, in. Yes, that is actually Anthony Kerrigan, just so you know. Yeah, yeah. I, he has a lot yeah. of fun as, like, as the Terminator robot that, uh, they clearly so were inspired by. Um, yeah. every little bit of this movie is just so much fun. And the way it really also brings home the original idea of, like, you know, bringing, you know, major <laughs> fascinating people from the past uh, together to have a big band session. And that is going to change the world. It is so pure in what it's doing. Um, I think like the final bits of this movie are just perfect. It's, it's so much fun. So yeah, I, I loved it completely. Wow. All right. Jeff Kanata, what did you think of Bill and Ted face the music? Well, Dave, I guess you could say my thoughts about Bill and Ted face the music are best summed up in the form of a limerick. It was fun to rediscover that I'm a Bill and Ted lover. And as the world burns, it'd be nice if we learned to be excellent to each other. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to basically repeat a lot of the stuff that Vinger said, I think. Um, I, I do think this movie has a lot of flaws mm -hmm. and yeah. a lot of missed It also doesn't make any sense if you yeah, think about time and, travel. And, and, yeah. And I want to enumerate them i think we'll wait for spoilers for that mm -hmm. but i have there's a lot of things in this movie that i wish they had done differently i think are missed opportunities i think it, it, it kind of bugs me that they zigged when they could have zagged and i want to talk about those in detail in spoilers but also it kind of doesn't matter yeah because mm -hmm. yeah it's just it's just a ball it's just a blast to be with these guys and their daughters and in this goofy world. And the thing that I love most about this movie is that they fucking go for it, mm -hmm. right? They go for it. It is as far as they can push this wacky idea of these guys going all through time. And but it is like the complexity that they're willing to go to of just how chaotic this mess can be while also having a B plot line of their daughters basically doing the first movie over yes. again. Yeah. Uh, 
it's amazing to pull it all off in like an hour and a half. You know, it's like it's not it, e- it's, not even an hour and a half. This movie's like 82, 83 minutes long because the yeah. credits are super long. Like it is tight. Super it's tight. It's, it's funny that they I like how they keep referring to how much yes. time is left in the yes. movie. Yeah. It's so great. It's lean. It's uh it, it, there's no fat on the bone. It's 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 brisk. It's fast. Pay- it's just good time and it is exactly what i need right now right this movie is exactly what i need if we were in a no covid uh traditional summer where we're all you know we got we got blue beam and sky as far as the eye can see and we're all like you know here we are in the end of august like oh god all the action movies we've seen and there's been so much bad stuff and there's yeah. so many things i was excited for and they disappointed me and you know like every i would have won the summer movie summer. wager again you know like mm-hmm. all this stuff uh, well, yeah, I'm, sure. not, I'm not talking a crazy fiction i'm talking like what <laughs> no, could have happened i think i would have won, won but okay okay uh i don't know if I, this movie would have landed as well, I mean, I still think I would have enjoyed this sure, movie, yeah. but I don't think it would feel like the salve <laughs> that it feels like. A problem you know, for just, all, yes, a solution it's, it's for all the problems. Slaking of your thirst, it wouldn't have slaked yes. your thirst like a like an oasis in a desert. Let's exactly, say. it is not it is not <laughs> quenching the yeah yeah feeding the starving man that I am right now. You know, uh, but it it really it was just a delight. Like I I did not pick up my phone at any point in this movie. I was completely enthralled, having a great time walking down memory lane and also enjoying this revisit to this goofball world. I yes, we'll be talking about all these little things that I think uh, the movie didn't do well, but like I said, it just doesn't matter because the experience washed over me in such a pleasant way that I I think this is well worth the twenty bucks I spent to rent it. I, I bought the. Uh, the oh, big you pack. didn't opt for the extra five dollars to buy it? Why, dude? Why, dude? Because Why? honestly, I'm going to be rewatching this movie quite a bit. I, I actually did Maybe. the big the big iTunes pack because I it was only a little more, and I wanted to watch and own uh, excellent adventure anyway. Wanted to say, by the way, justice for Dean Parasot. Okay, the director of Galaxy Quest, who mm. just has never really had a big he did fun with dick and jane terrible movie red 2 y'all remember red 2 um the sequel to red uh he's done a lot of tv but to see him back here in like a big genre movie that's hilarious juggling huge concepts and big emotional arcs like it this feels like everything he did really well in galaxy quest so just want to say i'm glad this guy is back you know making an actual movie again all right folks well I have to say I, I had a good time as well, but uh, you know, you guys have already said a lot of what I wanted to say, so I think we should dive into spoilers for this movie. But overall, I, I think we all liked Bill and Ted face the music. Let's dive loved. more in depth. Loved, Li- liked well, or loved. Let's dive. Also, more I want to in- say, you know, you brought up Dave. You brought up the visual effects. Mm-hmm. I thought they were pretty darn good. Like, yeah, better than this movie deserved yeah. almost. You know, I, I think the the old man effects uh, where. It, Oh we see yeah, some things at some point, uh, but we'll talk more about that in spoilers. But yeah. better than Prometheus? How about that? Yeah, true. It, 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 I'll, I'll say the visual effects were pretty hit or miss for me, but some of them were really, really, really good. Oh man, really I thought good. they were all pretty darn good. Yeah. All right, uh, let's get the spoilers for Bill and Ted Face the Music starting now. Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No, but you won't find it because, of course, you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to. 
work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be fooled. Alrighty. Um, so what what are what are some of the details? Jeff, you, you sound like you have a couple axes to grind with the movie, despite your Well, I, I do. I do. Um and again, this is a little nitpicky because I feel like overall I tr- I truly enjoy this experience. But um the thing that I really liked, even as a kid, about Bill and Ted's excellent adventure is that it handles time travel in a very specific way, in my favorite way, in fact, to handle tri- time travel. It's, it's the way I'm attempting to handle time travel in the dungeon run. We're doing a big time travel adventure right now, and I'm trying to make the time travel work the way Bill and Ted's excellent adventure made time travel work, which is there's one timeline, and you see it from start to finish. Now, they're moving around in it, but when you see something happen, it's because it happened already, right? It's because they're, now they're going to go back and live that out, but we see it sequentially. We see it in the correct order, in the timeline order. So there's that wonderful scene in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure where they talk to themselves and we see it the first side with them on one half and the second time with them on the second half because we're, we're not seeing them change the timeline. We're seeing them live through it linearly. And also, and I, but there's the other rule that time is still moving in their base timeline, too, even as they're traveling around. So they can't just go back to the beginning, right? There, There is an actual deadline to what they're doing. Right. And I I truly appreciated that. I think that is a, a very much more difficult magic trick to pull off. And I was so excited to see this movie do that at a level of complexity that was more sophisticated. And because we start off indicating that that's what we're doing the movie begins going strap in because it's about to get wacky and it does get wacky but in the movie just drops the ball on that premise it allows there to be multiple timelines that have nothing to do with one another multiple versions of bill and ted and yes there's lots of fun seeing roided out bill and ted and seeing um talk about know, excellent special effects uh it, oh, it, it looks awful but it's so cartoonishly funny that I think incredible it's it's i great. was looking for seams i couldn't tell if it was if it was prosthetics or digital <laughs> or like heads pasted on other bodies or what it was i it was i i was convinced i thought it was great um but and, and as much fun as it is to see these other us's as they keep referring to them uh and these you know i kept waiting for it to be uh a more sophisticated gag that they were fooling themselves or putting on, you know, that, that we were going to see them now jump to the other half of that and do that. The other side of it for themselves or something, but it never happened. Right. It, it really was a fake out. It really was alternate timelines that we, that will never be because they actually do do the song at the end. Um, and that bums me out. It bums me out because I thought, that that's what I liked about the Bill and Ted time travel notion. Uh, I also think that as much fun as I had with the daughters and them collecting all the people from time, uh, ultimately that didn't matter very much. And, and I kind of wish they had found a different take on the girls instead of them just kind of doing impressions of Keanu and Alex Winter. Mm-hmm. I wish they had found a way into it that would have felt like 
the 2020 version of those San Dimas high schoolers. Right. Why would they sound that... exactly the same? And yeah, have yeah. pretty much the same musical taste too. Like I, yeah. I would have liked them to be more fully formed as right. characters, but I still, I like you know them for the little bit we got. I still like them. And you know, you got you guys know that I'm always a big stickler about titles. And I just feel like you've got Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, Bill and Ted's bogus journey, continue, complete the pattern, right? Do do the the adjective and then the synonym for adventure. What, wasn't the, the second one supposed to be Bill and Ted go to hell? So that was the original script. But right? I like yeah. bogus. I I love the excellent adventure, bogus journey. It could have been like you know, um, triumphant, whatever. You know, it could have been. It could have been whatever it is. It could have been a. This cool... is a wonderful title nitpick. So please go on. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's fair. That's reasonable. That's great. That's reasonable. I do want to call out by the way that um, uh, one of his children, uh, one of the children, are played by uh, Samara Weaving, who's an mm-hmm. amazing actress. I, I loved her in Ready or Not, and also the other one is Bridget Lundy Payne, who goes by mm-hmm. they them pronouns. Yeah. I, it wasn't clear to me if the the kid was non-binary though um but anyway just wanted to call that out mm-hmm. um, yeah, i mean i thought their performances were were great very charming very charming Char- very charming but i i just wish the movie's take on the children of bill and ted was a little more interesting rather than it just being like small versions of right. the original characters i know? mean i mean the movie makes some rather bizarre decisions i here here are some bizarre decisions okay uh-huh. number one you have Aaron Hayes and Jema Mays, who plays these women, play Bill and Ted's uh, wives, and they're both English. They both are playing English characters, but neither of them is English. So they both need to do like they're both very talented comedic actresses. Yeah, um, but they both need to force like a British accent, I guess. uh, Which is like, why? Why did they do this? You know, I I really wonder why they even tried to force the uh, the Keanu British accent, which we have learned in uh, Dracula does not go so well. (laughs) But I almost wonder if they're making fun of that, too. Yeah. I also felt like the wives subplot was a little bit. undercooked. I think that totally what was what was great about this movie is that it's about aging. It's about becoming middle aged and realizing that your best days are behind you. And like the moment you have not that fulfilled you're, your life's potential, which yeah, was literally that, told to you by George Carlin, that right. feel, must feel pretty bad. Right. The, 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 the feeling that like, Hey, uh, like my best days are ahead of me. Like I'm building up to some great grand, like accomplishment. Um, what happens when you realize like that's no longer true mm-hmm. and your best days are actually behind you. And now it's actually your job to play backup to your children. Mm-hmm. Um, or to the next generation or whatever. Yeah, yeah. To the next generation. You know, and that's what this movie's about. And it's a very sweet yeah. story. And it's very, you know, it's as with the other Bill and Ted movies, it's very kind of earnest in its message. Yeah. Um, so I like all that. That said, this whole idea of like they're codependent and uh they're they're not there enough for their wives, like it just felt like well, very felt like- shoehorned in. It felt like everyone's thought that except the actual wives. Yeah. Right. The, the wives never seemed to mind them. And it just felt like this. Uh, uh, I think they minded, you know, uh, you in, the, tell... in the first in the second movie, it was kind of weird. I feel like they they Bogus Journey goes all over the place, but there's certainly tension there in terms of what they do as codependent people. Right. But it's just like there's no there's nothing in this movie where they resolve that in any way or right. they grapple right, with that right, in right. any way. They don't. In, but in, we we I really love the couples therapy scene because I feel like it is it is it cuts to the heart of both uh, their the pathology 
of Bill and Ted, you know, like just they they cannot be disconnected, but also like they still love their wives. They just don't know how to say this individuals. It's sweet, but also scary at the same time. Yeah. The other thing that that um, I didn't mention that that bugged me a little bit is that the movie keeps telling you. It all is going to be it's going to be fucking awesome at the end. Like mm-hmm. it's all going to make sense at the end. They keep having this clue of of like, don't judge a story until it's over. The, it'll all make sense at the end, even when it's crazy and wacky. The movie keeps telling you it's all going to fall into place. And that kind of promise mm. made me so excited to see what this big resolution was going to be. And then it it really doesn't pay that off at all. You know, yeah, it, it, I don't know. I, I kind of felt that like we we have seen a lot of like um I don't know time travel time loop quant alternate universe narratives and I, what this movie ends up being is just like it what they say at the very end right it does it doesn't matter what the song actually is what matters is that like they got everybody to play together and sing together and like you know harmonize right. together which is a it's a great message it may not be the most like cinematic way to end things but i i liked it even though nothing makes sense about uh, creating infinite versions of yourself and giving you know instruments to people all over the past like it, sure if you if you break that apart at all if you think about it nothing works but i i think it looks like it it makes for a good finale if you don't think too hard I had a I had an unused boom goes dynamite joke for this one, guys. Okay. Oh, go for it. Okay. Hey guys, this weekend I watched the third film in a trilogy where the first film was released in the eighties. And this third film features a woman who has sex with both uh, a man and his son. Wow. But enough about Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. <laughs> what? Oh my god. <laughs> Wow, that is, that is a, it's a long walk. That is a pull. A long yeah. walk. Thank you. Yes, yeah, much better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm walk. just like you know. That's um. That's the way these movies are connected. So sure. <laughs> that also, like not a, not really a trilogy, right? Because uh, there were more Indiana Jones. Movies, no, there so. there there's there's only been three Indiana Jones films. That's my understanding. Yeah. There's only three. There's only been three films. So. I hear there's okay. another one somewhere. <laughs> How dare you? I feel How like it may you. be better than the second one, but... Eh. Mm, mm. What? What? Mm. GTFO, Devendra. Okay. Are we done what? Are we done here? Anything else we want to say about this movie, yeah, we're going to do another two hours talking about Indiana Jones now. Uh, that was the first episode of the Slash Filmcast, actually, I think. Yeah, it's true. I think it literally was. Um, it was. It was. Let me just say, I love, I love everybody. I love... Uh, I love freaking Kristen Schaal in this. I love Kid Cudi, like just being the the person who apparently understands um, time loops quantum and quantum theory. physics. Like yeah. I, it's a joke they keep going back to, but it never stops being funny. And at, by the end, they're just like Kid Cudi. Can you? What's the answer here? How do we do this? Um, and freaking freaking Anthony Kerrigan, uh, his slow. He it, it's very. Steals he, he's great. He's great so because funny. like he starts off as being the scary robot, but just like in Barry, like he adds like a dose of like humanity and fear and something and like into this character who's just like by the end you're just like man he's just a sad poor sad robot with no friends that um, character yeah. needs a spin-off movie yeah. seriously yeah it's good it's that it's that yeah, good dennis caleb good. mccoy yeah. my de- my name is dennis caleb mccoy <laughs> <laughs> he's irish anyway um okay 
That's Bill and Ted Face the Music. Uh, we all enjoyed it. We all enjoyed it. You check it out if you want a heartwarming, sweet, earnest tale. Sure. Also, Bill and his dad, um, or is it no, Ted and his dad, uh, have that moment, finally. That moment of reconciliation, yeah. which mm. I thought was funny. It's and kind they, of rad how many of the actors they brought yeah. back. Yeah, you know? yeah. Sad. It's sad that Rufus couldn't come back, obviously. But it was obviously, like, but I'm glad they didn't to try to do something moment. stupid like, you know, replace the actor or some CG version of it. Mm-hmm. You know, well, they um, have that one moment of, of him. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a hologram. So it felt OK to me. It was a hologram. But also and also uh, William Sadler back as dead. Yeah, That's William fun. Sadler, the guy who Love plays guy. Haywood in Shawshank Redemption. Love him. Is back. It's amazing. <laughs> all right. Bell and Ted face music. We all had a lot of fun with it. That's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of the Slash Filmcast. You can find more episodes of this podcast at SlashFilmcast.com. Email us at SlashFilmcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned to hear what we'll be discussing next week. Our theme song comes from AdamWarlock.com. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker Kyle Hillinger. Check out his YouTube channel. Our uh, weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. And this episode was edited by me, David Chen, not Beatty. She's, wow. not, she's not around, but hopefully she feels better. Uh, okay, next week we're going to be reviewing Mulan, uh, which is going to be available on Disney Plus for thirty bucks. Jeff, you you can't avoid buying this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta I fork gotta over buy, the cash for this one. I gotta buy that one. Yeah, there's no way around it. No way around it. You you, you got to pay the thirty dollar fine for seeing Mulan, and therefore only have Mulan for the entire time that you're subscribing to Disney Plus. And the second you cancel it, you will no longer have access to Mulan. Yeah. Well, that's how we buying things works. Yeah, yeah that's how buying things work. Now. Year of Disney Plus, so I at least have it a year. Indeed. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week for our review of Mulan. Have a happy holiday, uh, Labor Day. Hope everyone uh, rests up, has a refreshing weekend. Stay safe, stay healthy. Don't do anything stupid. We'll see you next time on the podcast. We watched till the last of the credits is done. We watched the movies, flicks, tracks for the good. Bad is the slash film With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.